Welcome to Dice in Mind, a podcast hosted by Brad Brown and Jason Kaufman to explore the intersection of life, games, science, music, philosophy, and creativity through interviews with leading creatives. All are welcome in this space. You know, there are a couple things that always garner our attention um, when we look for people to to have on the show. Um, and it, I, I like to think we don't really interview as much as we just have a good discussion. And I Agreed. think we talked about this um, in the past where we always tell folks, have a, bring a drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, um, me for non-alcohol, sit back and we're just going to chat. Yeah. Um, Anytime we have someone, and some of the things we look for, anytime we have folks that are educators mm-hmm. um, and involve gaming in, in their education. Yep. Talk to a number of people like that over the years. Yep. Gaming developers, folks mm-hmm. that develop games mm-hmm. of any, of any yep. sort. Writers. Yeah. As well as um, we're always interested and fascinated too with the new um like GPL licensing, the new licensing models that are coming yeah. out. Right. Like the, um, the like Modifius's 2D20 world building. And that, thank yep. you. You're welcome. That is what um how our next guest is came on our radar. Mm-hmm. For, he was a listener. Um, he's been writing a new and has coming out with a new game. Mm-hmm. Came out as this drops, came out at least a couple months ago. Sentience. It's Sentience. very cool. It's a really interesting take. It is. And he's also a teacher mm-hmm. that has that works in ways to try to integrate gaming yeah. into uh, curriculum or whatever the case is and mm-hmm. to help with, with kids that are, right. you know, and I, he teaches middle school. This is our friend Al Spader. He teaches middle school. So he teaches at an age where it's these are very impressionable kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going into adolescence if they aren't already at the brisk at the at the cusp of it. Right. Um, that's a tough period. And, and Al has, I mean, like you said, Brett, Al has this neat background because he's doing these varied and various things. But as as you will all hear in a few minutes during our chat with Al Spader. Uh, he, he's one of these rare stories of someone who was recognized, right? Like, I mean, in, in this case, recognized by our, our our dear friend of the podcast, Jim Johnson, with Star Trek Adventures of, of hey, why don't you uh, why don't you do some work for us? Which is just really really cool. Um, and so, you know, why don't we just go there? Because it was a it was a wide yeah. ranging conversation, and Al has such a neat story and. I think this will translate in the audio, but to, you know, to sit, to sit across the zoom room, if you will, you, it was, it was clear, I think to you and me, just how passionate he is about. He's exuberant about yeah, it. Yes. It's... Thank you. He's exuberant <laughs> about all of this stuff. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's hop over. Al Spader is a middle school science teacher, father of five-year-old twin boys, and a freelance RPG writer and game designer. As a regular writer for Star Trek Adventures and lead designer of the Sentience 2D20 RPG, Al brings his knowledge of neurodivergence and social-emotional learning to the TTRPG community. Uh, 
I was going to, I didn't tell Jason or all this, I was going to do some really cool introduction with my radio voice, but um had the flu shot and I'm a little gravelly gurdy. So it would come across yeah, more like a heavy breathing, creepy guy on the phone. So that being said, um, now that I've just described Jason, um, we have a very, yeah, of course, a uh, very cool guest. Uh, Al Spader is with us. We've been talking yeah. with him for months yeah. on Twitter. Um, you're writing, you're a teacher. Um, you're you're just, I mean, there are so many things game designing and then you threw us a curveball about something related to D&D being ported to um Star Trek Adventures. Okay, yeah. so we're we're just going to start there. That's a yeah. perfect opening <laughs> and then we're going to come full circle and do all the rest. So, right before we click record, um we were we so obviously our listeners can't see this, but Al's got this just beautiful visually dense background of a UFP flag. But then all these gaming books and starships and whatnot behind him. And so we were talking about that. And Brad noticed their D&D books down on one of the lower shelves. And then Al made this just passing comment. Yeah, we're porting that stuff over to Star Trek Adventures. And I'm like, okay, now stop. We have to talk about that. So what does that actually mean, Al? How are you porting D&D to STA? Well, um, speci specifically the Radiant Citadel book um, with all the missions based around Radiant Citadel, which first of all, Radiant Citadel to me is the most Star Trekky fifth edition yeah. thing that they've released Legit. thus far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of like in this outer. It's it's a space station, really. Uh, oh, if you yeah. stop to think about it, you know. Um, so a lot of those missions, uh, you know, they're not necessarily combat heavy. They're more, right. um, you know, talking about. Um, you know relationships and interactions between different peoples and things like that which is really star trek at its core you know you say it like that and it's so obvious now in retrospect that's <laughs> really really neat i mean i can I, I will honestly say readily i never would have made that leap on my own but everything is especially the the spaceship like oh it really is a spaceship floating in whatever and it's got all yeah. these that's so cool well done yeah and the you gems can... that people transport with are like shuttles and yeah it, it's it, it really is um you know uh, like you can adapt it to star trek pretty easily um which is awesome you're gonna you're gonna actually outdo not to not to disparage anyone you're going to actually be able to provide something that's space oriented even though it's in the st sta universe even more than more so than Spelljammer, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. Spell, Spelljammer definitely. I don't know. It didn't really hit hit where I wanted it to, mm -hmm. um, but I felt like Radiant Citadel was like right there and and easily adaptable. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of adapting something like Radiant Citadel with the five E system over to SGA's two D twenty system, um. I mean, obviously, there's some kindredness of spirit there, but I mean, what's that like? That's some pretty, especially I'm thinking like stat blocks and whatnot. How how are you doing that, or how have you done that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that you start with the story first, right? We always start with the plot and build from there, um, and then we find some type of facsimile between the species in um, D and D uh, and the species in uh, Star Trek, and we we yeah. say, okay, this makes sense for the orcs to be Klingons in this particular mission or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, a stat, stat box, we don't really adapt directly. Um, you know, we 
bring those out of, you know, Got the it. 20 Yeah. different hardcovers. Like if we say, all right, these orcs are going to be Klingons. We go right to, you know, the Klingon core rule book and we're like, all right, here's a couple of lackeys. Here's a boss, you know, things Got like it. that. Yeah, that's really clever. I I should also point out that that Al has more books on that shelf than Brad has on his, which is really saying something. So when you say, you know, the 20 books of STA, I I believe you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah i think i think it is um you know uh, sta's got so many products out it's it's crazy Okay, so on that note, um, you <laughs> are a writer for STA. yeah yeah i'm a freelance writer um i've done i think i've done five projects that have released so far for star trek Wow. adventures i started uh with the player's guide and game master guide so I th th he says modestly. those are, Oh my those god. are phenomenal, phenomenal Phenomenal. books. How did you how did you connect with with Uh, Modiphius and I, I'm assuming specifically Jim Johnson. Um, so are you familiar with um, a program on Steam called Tabletop Simulator? Yes. So Tabletop Simulator is basically, it's a 3D uh, engine video game where people can bring in board games that they've created. Uh, and it's like you're virtually sitting around a tabletop together. Okay. Uh, well, somebody, I don't know, four or five years ago, made a Star Trek Adventures uh, port for that. So you can actually log in um, and like all the little um, like uh, character sheets are already in there. The GM screen is already in there. And when COVID hit, we decided we were going to start running uh, Star Trek Adventures, myself and a few friends. Um, and I was like, oh, let's try Tabletop Simulator because everybody happened to have it. Um, and I was taking screenshots and I posted them up online Uh, and Michael Dismuke, like, really thought it looked cool. Uh, so I brought, uh, you know, Michael in and he brought me on to a podcast and Jim happened to be there. And so we were all chatting about how to be a good GM and, and things like that. And um, like the next week, Jim says, Jim sends me an email saying, hey, uh, do you want to have a look at something uh, from with an outside perspective? And I was like, sure. What do you got? Uh, and he sent me the uh, manuscript for um, the Shackleton Expanse Guide before it had even released. That's cool. He want he wanted my insight from somebody that is new to the game but is familiar with other games Yeah. uh, to say what's the readability here? You know, um, how's the layout on this? And you know, I think I brought him like six or seven uh, recommendations that I thought were a little bit uh, could be clarified a little bit more. Uh, and he listened to me, like he actually made those changes. Um, and I was That's like, really cool. okay. That is cool. <laughs> so if And you, if yeah, you go look ahead. in the Shackleton Expanse book, it does uh, under special thanks, it says Gene Roddenberry. And then you see Michael Dismuke and Al Spader because we both did the same That is thing. not the worst list to be on. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would, if either one of us had, were on that, I think we could probably end the podcast and say mission, Yeah. mission successful. I I would be I would be thrilled to be associated with either Roddenberry or Michael. <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. So, uh, okay. So, of the handful of projects you've worked on with Modiphius for Star Trek Adventures, uh, it, it, this is kind of like asking to choose your favorite child. So I know it's not fair, but is there one or like some element of a project that just really stands out for you as something proud's maybe not the right word, but something you're really proud of. Like this was the thing that you just 
are really glad you created like this stands out yeah i think uh in the game master book um the the bit in there about um working working with different player styles and working with different sensory issues and sensory needs um nice. neurodivergence and whatnot yeah. Um, those sections are, are a really big deal for me um, mm -hmm. because I really want gaming to be as inclusive as possible. Yeah. So the fact that um, I pitched that to Jim and he let me get that in there, I was really excited about. Um, and then I also really, uh, I'm proud of uh, in Utopia Planitia, all the work I did to get the STO weapons into the weapons tables. Um, I did a lot of research uh, on Star Trek Online because I hadn't played enough to see all the weapon sets and things like that. Right. What a what a divergent, no pun intended. What a divergent set of of pride points of yep. of just so good for the world and just hardcore geekery. Yep, I like because, it because yeah. because the fact of the matter is like I like this hardcore geekery stuff. I mean the this this group of players, you know, there are people that like that. They want to drill down and, yeah. you know, you've got people that love Starfleet battles that are still wanting to recreate that somehow in a role-playing game. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that, but, but those two books, and again, no disparagement oh. to anything else. Yeah. The core rule book is really, really broad encompassing. I mean, it's a really good, it's a core rule book. It's a core rule book yeah. in a really well-designed and well-written one. Um, the player's guide and the game master's guide. Oh, masterpieces. I mean, Jason, you and I talked about them when they first came out. Oh, man. Um, and that's before we really had started. I don't know if we were really even talking to uh, the folks in gym or whatnot by then. But Not yet, um, no. Mm -hmm. Those, as published by the company that provides the product, it's not third party. Them providing those type of resources for those mm -hmm. of us that are end gamers, whether we're G GMs or just players, yeah. um, I feel like that was a step up and beyond oh, yeah. um, what you see with other games. So, yeah, our mindset was we wanted as much as much of those books as possible to be applicable to as many games as possible. Like it yeah. wasn't even right. just you know I, I would say seventy five percent of them are um, applicable to other game systems, which you know is really important. Now, all your work with Star Trek and all that, you are also yep. um, working on a product, and I'm going to tell me if I pronounce it wrong, it, Sentience. Sentience, yep. Sentience. Mm -hmm. So um, it's part of um, the 2D20 um, world, world builders. builders, which is really yeah. cool. What, 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 you know, prompted you to start looking and doing this? <laughs> so... Uh, I mean, so I used to publish um, way back when 5th edition first dropped. Um, I think when Rage of Demons came out, I was doing a lot of uh, convention content um, for 5th edition Dungeon Dragons. So I've got mm -hmm. like, you know, a dozen or so missions that are up on, um, you know, the, the drive through RPG. Uh, I guess it's DM's Guild for, for Dungeon Dragons. Mm -hmm. um, so I loved doing that. And um then like that 5e fiasco a year ago hit right we were like really souring on it and they're like yeah. i can't make money now well i was on twitter and i was just sending out like each day i would pop up a random idea of some niche role-playing game that could be made uh and i posted uh all right you're terraforming robots that have gained sentience before humanity has returned there's your role-playing game go and i had a couple people reach out to me they're like hey that sounds like a really cool idea <laughs> um and then Modifius announced the uh, the World Builders program. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Let's see if we can make it happen. 
to to quote from your 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 guide humanity left you behind humanity yeah. is coming your humanity is here yeah. just really clever stuff yeah I, and like i really wanted i mean there was i wanted to cover two things with the game really um first how can you use emotions as a mechanic driving force of a game um so similar to like the drives in dune um we use emotions uh that your characters are developing um so like when i'm running a game they're like well i want to do this and i was like okay but how do you feel right now and then that's the stat we end up using um and to explore all the emotions you get rewarded at the end of a session if you used four of your six emotions reasonably um so it really encourages people to really feel out who their character is and what they're going through um when interacting with the world i will say uh, on page five it, the header is what is sentience and uh, somewhat unrealistically i flipped to that page and then i was very disappointed that the question you're asking is what is the game sentience as, <laughs> as a as a psychologist i was like i wonder if he's onto something but alas it's just a really cool game but i love yeah, yeah. The, i love the androids concept it just well yeah i could go on for that for <laughs> um yeah and, and then uh we were kind of like toying with um you know what does it what does it mean like your humanity is here um, and so like, I wanted to keep the value system from Star Trek, but I wanted to kind of put it on its head a little bit in that, um, if you use a value, um, or if you, what we call them value sacrifices and sentience, um, and, uh, you find that you need to let your AI self take over just a little bit, you actually get to erase a value altogether and you get the same advantages that you do in Star Trek adventures, but you start losing a little bit of your humanity. And if you ever run out of values, you turn back into an AI and you're no longer sentient. Clever. So, and then, so we built in mechanics where you can regain those values along the way, but you've got to do things like meditation and, you know, things like that. Um, We we call it, we have like recovery centers in the game uh, where you can go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a really neat spin on things. I mean, it's 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 novel, which is in, which I think is hard to do, especially around uh, artificial intelligence stories, right? Mm-hmm. Because there have been so many there there so many iterations, right? For for the past century, and they're getting so good, and they they cross fertilize that to do something like you've done, where there truly are some novel elements that you're just not seeing in any of the ips or in the other games that's 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 very impressive that's very cool it's like that's why you want to play yeah and it's very rare that you see a positive outlook uh, right on ai right the ai right. is almost always the adversary or mm-hmm. you know um and, and so in this case we we kind of spin it on its head and say all right well yes we have to go through this ai chaos that we're dealing with right now but what if on the other end, the AI, the AIs come out the better for it, right? What if they realize, yeah. you know, that oh wait, I That's should be clever. citing my sources. Can you imagine the second an AI figures that out, like things? Yes, like actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's funny you say that because Brad, I was just waiting for Al's picture to pixelate, and then it turns out it's just an avatar for ChatGPT five. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> or or you know, someone posted a, a a meme of it was like a plumbing truck and the and it was oh, Skynet. No. It was Skynet plumbing, oh. and 
and you know someone posted the robots are coming and um what's funny is is that this idea yeah. actually has a positive spin on it um yeah, and a positive that. take which which isn't it's just not predominant out there you know everyone's freaked yeah. out the robots are coming and um obviously we know don't know what's going to happen now let me ask you so when is this going to release and um you know are you putting it out on drive through for pdf are you going to do print on demand or anything like that or so the way that it works it's, it's drive through is yeah. really finicky about um some of this print on demand stuff especially if you're doing it through a program uh with a company um so the core rule book uh is up i've got almost 400 downloads on the core rule book excellent um and i'm almost at 300 downloads of the um quick start guide nice. uh, which is which is satisfying but you know i think that we could do better um and i cannot get to print on demand status until i get i think like 350 sales um and because i was okay. doing um pay what you want for a while not all 400 of my downloads are sales um so okay. it's going to be a bit before we can get there i have it formatted ready for print on demand when that becomes an option um but until then i'm just going to keep turning out little supplements along the way like uh at the uh we're, we're recording on what the ninth i'm hoping by the end of this week my um uh book with uh, four adventures will be dropping um excellent oh that's so cool yeah. um so if i may there are other things we obviously want to chat about with you but because this is you know sentience as a game it is it has these really novel elements but you know nothing comes from nowhere, right? So so little in in the universe is sweet generous. So I'm curious if there were maybe inspirations too strong of a word, but if there were inspirations or a guidepost that that moved you along the way of of elements from other stories, IPs, books, whatever that that you found affecting your thinking as you were designing sentience. I'm sure that there were some books that were kind of like informing me in the in, in the back of my mind, but the real the real driving force was I wanted to create a tool mm. that could someday even be used by like guidance counselors to be Excellent. able to get yeah. kids to work through um, yeah. emotional uh, things uh, using an avatar. Um, I think that it would that because robots are you know mm. um, inherently gender neutral. Mm. Um, kids uh with having some gender questions and things like that yeah. um could use the game yeah. to work through some mm -hmm. of those ideas and experiment with you know now my robot's feeling like a boy now my robot's feeling like a girl and like i i think that um because i'm a middle school teacher you know yeah. i work i work with 10 11 yeah. 12 year olds awesome. um i i think that these tools are severely lacking in schools yeah. um so really that was that was at the front of my mind when I was doing this whole thing. Um that's really and cool. Then the uh the the support came from the uh, artificial intelligence community and and, and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. I I wanted to cuz there's two we usually start kind of at the beginning um but we jumped in for good reason into some yeah. of this. What I do want to do is I want to ask two questions and they're broad ones. Um, but they're not necessarily fully connected. How and don't worry. Get... I'm sorry. These will be formative assessments, Al. They're not going to be yes. summative till oh, the end. Oh boy, of the, yeah. Till the, till the end of the yeah. Just yeah, so you yeah. know, Thank these you. are very these low are stakes. Non non graded. They are not even formative yeah, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> they're just non graded. 
um, pass fail. Um, <laughs> what got you into gaming to start? And then along with that, you just kind of you kind of mentioned that just in talking about middle schoolers. How have you, you know, integrated, introduced it, or use it while being a teacher with kids that are at a very um it's a i mean it's a very important age um you know in terms of growth so um, you know how did you start all this and how is it played into your teaching so uh, when i was in college uh we had a gaming group and we started with dungeon dragons third edition and then 3.5 uh and we had a weekly game going on monday nights even when we got out of college um, and that kind of dropped when fourth edition dro dropped. Um, we kind of all went our separate ways. And um, fifth edition, we, we all ended up at Gen Con, like a group of like six of us, the year that fifth edition dropped. And uh, one of the guys was like, hey, do you want to go try this one hour fifth edition thing? <laughs> and I was like, sure, why not? Uh, and so that really hooked us back in. Uh, and then uh, I my fr a friend of mine owns a, a comic slash game store and i decided that i was going to start organizing games there and i i think like i'm I, like i love being that person that organizes and brings people together um so even to this day i mean i mean we're coming up on 10 years now with fifth edition every saturday you know we've got two or three tables going on that i'm assigning dms to and and, and things like that and um i really really love that aspect of gaming is bringing people wow. together um, because I, I I don't know that everyone who games has the skill to do that um, or, or the drive mm -hmm. to do that. Right. Um, so like if, if I wasn't doing it, maybe some maybe it wouldn't even be happening at all. You know, um, so I really like providing that uh, that space uh, for people to come together um, as far as the teaching goes. I, so. We just started introducing advisory again this year mm -hmm. um, for the first time in like mm -hmm. 10 years. Wow. Um, and one of the things that we're looking to do during advisory time is a flex period. Um, and I would love to get some more tabletop role-playing games in during that time. As far as in my science class, uh, the big thing that we talk about is roles um, because I do so many group activities and, and experiments and things like that is, you know, um, so like we're building a spaghetti earthquake tower, uh, in two weeks and the kids each have to assign themselves a role on the team. Uh, and we talk about what that role does and why it's important and things like that. And though it's, I don't say it's connected to a tabletop role-playing game, but it's the same idea, right? Where you have a role within a group, um, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. That's cool. Have you I guys just, seen, have you have you guys seen the James D'Amato Ultimate RPG books? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. We. I'm we, pointing. We I, have. Yeah. We've we've talked to him. Yeah. Those are good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like like I would love to get to a point where those become my curriculum for a course for middle In, school kids. Say say more about that. Like like what yeah. would that look like? Uh, so I think just as far as. Uh, I think for especially uh, middle school age kids, yeah, um, creating a they're they're so used to video games, right? They're so used to having a, an avatar on a screen and making it do things. They're not used to putting a personality or a character to them, or th they might not consider well. 
what does it mean if I do something to the backstory? How does that inform what I'm doing now? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that like that type of skill could become really, really important as we're starting to focus more on social emotional learning. That's very cool. It's just, it's, it's always interesting. Yeah. You know, Jason's Jason teaches in higher ed. Um, Most of my family were teachers. I am not. Um, So I have a real reverence and respect for those of you that teach. And it's been interesting as Jason and I have done this podcast, when we talk with folks like you, how they are working to integrate gaming, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's RPG gaming or board gaming or, or miniatures or whatever the case is um, and how they do it. And it's just not that the others didn't just this idea originally from the start, when you were talking about making ways to make this, um, usable for those that are neurodivergent or whatever the case is. Um, I think obviously is very important that just moves towards further inclusive, you know, in, I can't say it, boy, I haven't had enough coffee. <laughs> Inclusivity, right? There you go. Um, you got it. There we go. Um, I didn't mean to make that not serious, but the point being is, is I think it's important and I'm, and I just love to hear that, that you're doing that. Um, in many ways, I, I wish that my kids had had something like that in yeah. schools, you know. So, um, obviously, big D&D guy, you're working on sentience. Um, you know, I don't want it. We're not looking. We, we aren't a spoiler podcast. I knew where this was right? going. Right. No, no, no. I'm just wondering what else is what else that, that you want to talk about. And can. Is, mm-hmm. it, yeah. And can talk about. Well, I think I think. That last time you talked to Jim, um, he mentioned how he brought Michael in as a lead writer on Captain's Log. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because he had so much going on. But he also yeah. mentioned that he brought me in as lead writer on another project. Yeah. Talk about what that project is. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited to see how that That's so cool. project um, is, is like when it gets introduced, how people react yeah. to it. Congratulations. That's, that's, that's such a big deal. Yeah, it was yeah. – was, it was a it was an experience, you know. Well, let's. Um, I mean, I let's talk about that for a moment. I mean, you know, within the realm of opprobrium, right? Of what you can say as your first stint as a lead writer on a larger project. What was that like for you? What What were the joys? What were the struggles? So, I mean, uh, like I love the outlining process. I love like going back and forth with people. Um, I think sometimes the gaming community can be a little bit. Um, you know, oh, this is my product. I, I, I'm going to do this all myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I'm, I, I think that you can get a much better product when you're working together with multiple right. people. Um, when you get multiple sets of eyes on something, I'm actually, um, working on <laughs> a, uh, a monster of the week supplement right now that I had oh. two other people have their eyes on. Um, and like we tweaked one of the missions, uh, or mysteries and like, it's so much better now than when I just wrote it, you know? Right. Right. Um, so, uh, so I, that was really, really cool to me is to have a bunch of writers saying, uh, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What That's do you think strange. about this? Um, it was a lot to keep track of. It was, it was a lot of organization, um, you know, which probably isn't my strongest suit, but it was a good challenge for me. It pushed me outside of my, um, what I was used to. Um, yeah. And now like, like the aftermath after everybody has turned everything in, um, it's been cool to kind of see the process behind that. Cause you know, I've, I've never been on the backside of 
a production yeah. like this before. You know what I mean? I've always been, you know, uh, front facing. So, um, in, in, and, you know, Jim's been including me in lots of the discussions about what happens after, and, you know, oh, this is what happens amazing. when it gets, goes to layout. This is what happens mm -hmm. when it goes to CBS and things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that, that, that's been just really just a, an amazing experience. Um, that's yeah, a lot of fun. Can you, I, I'm going to ask the question, but if you can't answer it, don't obviously don't answer it. Hey, hey, hey. No, no I know I'm taking your line. Is, is this something that's, I mean, I want to know, is, is your work, is this something that's going to come out sooner than later or later than sooner? Unclear at this time. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there, I think that Modif Modifius is a great company. Mm -hmm. Um, They're growing uh, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think that like there's so much cool stuff coming out that and, and you know a lot of times you know we're sharing layout artists with other projects right. and things yeah. like that so uh so honestly when we finish a book it, it just depends when the next person opens up you know to to be able to do something like that um so we really like i i think like we said with the lower decks book we were done with that for over a year before it released i mean that's just incredible <laughs> incredible i mean to have to sit on something like that yeah that was really yeah. hard to sit on i'll bet it was uh because it was such a fun project and we just wanted everybody to see all the silly stuff that we were able to do when we like oh. well and with the traction of lower decks as an ip Right. Yeah. And with them keep, I mean, they keep coming out with season after season. I mean, just to sit on that I, and not, not have people able to play in that piece of the world. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. So um, at least because we had this uh, fun thing where Utopia Planitia was kind of announced before it was announced, like it was in an advertisement. So like people knew it was coming and we were like, all right, oh. we don't have to sit on this one for much longer. Um, you know, okay. but uh but yeah, we just didn't, I mean, nobody even knew that we had the lower decks license when it dropped. So That's that was so really, cool. really fun. Yeah, yeah. And Jim, Jim's very smooth. He oh God, he's good. Yeah. He, he didn't, um, he didn't let us know that they had the license or not. And again, we're not a spoiler cast by any stretch. Um, but his poker face is one of the best. Oh my, I mean, I, his, know. his strengths, like his remarkable abilities include project management and keeping secrets. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a vice. Yeah. And he's just, he's just, uh, he, he's a sweetheart of a guy. He'll do anything for you. Like when yeah. I, when I ran my first um, stream of sentience, he wanted to be a player character in it. Um, That's nice. And yeah. I, he's even writing the forward for my next sentience book. So. Oh, like, cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So like, he's just such an awesome guy and so supportive and just, uh, he he really is a visionary in a lot of ways because he wants to hear other perspectives um, mm -hmm. and, and and he wants to get, you know, he obviously wants to be as diverse as possible. Um, but yeah. like, it's important to get somebody that is a Pathfinder person and see mm -hmm. what their insight is in mm -hmm. to 2D20. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. um, that's how we keep pushing the products to get better and more inclusive. Well, and recognizing talent when he sees it right like like in his position seeing what you were putting out there into the void and saying hey come and talk to me i mean that that really says something it's very trekkian right it's it, it it harkens back to just the best dating back to the 60s of 
having an open writer's room. If you have a good idea and we see it's a good idea, we're going to ask you to be on our team. And he, he, and he does that. It's, it's yep. very, it's, it's really neat for the IP. Using, using a sports analogy, he's a talent scout in addition to everything that's going on. And if he sees talent and they're willing, um, then do it. Um, beyond that and beyond sentience, are there, is there, I'll ask it this way. Um, anything that you'd like to do that's maybe on the back burner um, that you're thinking about, you know, potentially down the road doing, I know you're working on some additional um, on sentience and you're obviously doing other stuff with Modifius, but anything else that's in your bet that's on your to-do list or your want list that you just haven't gotten to yet that you're willing to talk about Uh, my, um, my, my new, uh, favorite game for the well, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but the new game that I'm really dwelling on a lot is Tales from the Loop, um, which is uh, it, it's just such a neat, whimsical type of setting. Um, and, and the system is so narrative, um, and, and so whimsical. So, one of the things I was thinking about was some type of again, I think that there's a lot of dark. Uh, RPGs out there. Right. There's not a lot of like, like right. not that that's not fun, but like, where are the um, the lighthearted, the positive, the you know, um, type of games out there? So I want to do something. It's like a like a fairy tale type book um, using the system from Tales from the Loop. Um, the year so, the year zero engine. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, with that version of the year zero engine, and just be it be like a narrative where you get to create your own fairy tale character um and and just have it be like um how much the readers believe in you power you up and things like that um that's so cool so yeah that that, that's that's definitely in the near future i think um we'll see so Uh, like like the never-ending story but without all the traumatic sadness toward the end correct yeah (laughs) well i mean i'm sure gms will take the content and do whatever the heck they want with it of course like like i've heard some stories of star trek that uh people have done and i'm like whoa um (laughs) but if your group likes it and you love doing it that way more power to you, right? Are you playing Tales from the Loop, or have you played it? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm running um, Oz's uh, new um, They Grow Up So Fast um, book that just dropped. Uh, yeah. We just ran the first uh, mission last weekend, uh, and the second adventure should be in a couple weeks here. So, Ellie, did you, you, uh, did you watch? Okay. Did you watch the show? I'm sorry, Jace. Did you no, watch the show? Or I've never watched the show before. I've I just, haven't okay. seen it either. Yeah, I've just done the starter set uh, adventure and the adventure that's inside the. Um, the rule book okay it sounds like this sounds silly but it sounds like you still managed to play quite a bit so yes and no uh so i'm on michael dismukes um play by post star trek group uh, that we nice. do on discard mm-hmm. uh discord um okay. but on saturdays um at the shop uh we we have two tables of D usually going on and then we had a bunch of people who were sick of D, and so we have a third table that is an alternate game um mm-hmm. that's been taking place so i volunteered to do tales from the loop for a bit nice. we also have scum and villainy going on um mm-hmm. and uh dungeon world so there's a lot of different ones wow. uh, and i i try to get there two to three saturdays a week uh, or a month that's impressive 
because yeah. you, you have you so just, little going on otherwise. Yeah. Right. You just you just named off some killer game. We haven't been able to to because just because of our time, but oh. scum and villainy, um, especially D- Dungeon World. I'm fascinated by yeah, um, Dungeon World, and even you know along with that, you know, Burning Wheel and so on. But um, yeah, that's that. We'll the, have to have the you game, back on it. Just, not the yeah. event. Yeah, yeah, that's right, important right, because yeah. no one wants to see you. Well, we're we're just gonna stop that. But I have a picture of you in something tied on a bicycle in the desert, and I'm very much uncomfortable. Okay, I touche. I, I was <laughs> yeah, you walked you into that one. Bit. Yeah, you were. Yeah, touché. I was touche. <laughs> it's but, just so, it's. I, I just love that there. Like there are so many narrative game systems out there. Mm-hmm. Um, like like the powered by the apocalypse is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this, this blades in the dark one can be narrative, um, you know, based off of, uh, you know, how detailed you want to get with it. Um, yeah. it can also, you can also wave the narrative altogether on it. So that's a really interesting system that I'm still learning the nuances of. Um, but yeah, I've, I've just fallen in love with tales from the loop so much. I just think I, I did watch the show. Um, and I was fascinated by it. It's a less dark, um, a less scary version of Stranger Things in many ways. Right. Um, you know, but I shouldn't say that. It, it's it's set in a similar time period in the 80s. Right, right. Um, so for the 80s nostalgia for me, um, being in my upper 40s, where I, that's when I was growing up, um, I love it. And then we haven't played the game, but I'm one of these guys that tends to buy things every once in a while um once healthy front off. loading right yeah healthy dose yeah. Of front loading yeah so i have i have that stuff there because i just i i love the idea of it and hearing that you're playing it just that just tells me the free league free league and is going to continue to pump content out because yeah, yeah, I, think, I think free league is is i mean it's not going away they're they're putting out some mm-hmm. really really good stuff yeah but yeah. i mean you've got you know we and brad and i you, you like you and i brad we we talked about this like whatever two years ago i mean when the podcast was brand new but just the sheer diversity of games that keep coming out and the growing not shrinking space of game developers designers publishers and and you i i keep coming back i really do to modifius because you know you look at like like we had chris birch on way back when right and he told us the story and it's like well that's kind of remarkable like how it went from this little concern to having all these major ips um and it proves it can be done it can be done really really well yeah yeah they they and and like they're still pumping out. So, I mean, they've got cohorts coming out. They've got dreams and machines that they're pushing out. Like they've got a lot happening too. So um, I'm excited for them. And and the success of their miniature lines has just been fantastic. So I, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't play with miniatures. Like I'm not a, I'm not a miniatures and I'm not even like a, a map kind of person. I, I really, I mean, I, I will gladly. I will gladly play with maps and like during the pandemic when Brad and, and a couple of friends and other friends and I were playing D and D right. We were using zoom's whiteboard, right? Definitely a suboptimal approach to doing it, but still it, it got the job done. Sometimes, sometimes you need to know where, where, you know, is this going to be an attack of opportunity? Okay, fine. Right. That's yeah. it. But, but like when I look, at the Modifius site for like just to see has anything dropped right because they're like Jim and, and and you know your whole team they're you're all pumping out these PDFs the adventures the packs I mean yeah. 
literally constantly. And I, I look at the website way too often just to see, oh, is there a free or an expensive pack I would want to pick up? And I'll just click like, you know, newest to oldest. And it'll be like the first 15 things are miniatures. So clearly they're selling, right? Yeah. So I, I, they, I mean, they have um, the Elder Scrolls and the Fallout miniatures war games that are selling really well. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and then they just released uh, those three new STLs for Star Trek. Um, so they are, they are still going through um, and producing stuff. I was, I was su happily surprised when I saw they dropped three new STLs um, last week or whenever it was. Um, for star trek so uh yeah i, I it's the company's growing and it's exciting to see you know well it's exciting that you get to be part of it yeah I mean, that's so that's so cool yeah i mean i it's it's a small part of it it's, it's one it's one line out of 20 but um yeah but the best line l the yeah. best yeah. line it's star trek it's 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 definitely a one that I really enjoy. How about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, don't get me very very PC. Don't get me wrong. Dune does not suck. They <laughs> they have a bunch of lines that are fascinating. But to yeah. work on something that is, I mean, like we Brad and I, we look at at Star Trek Adventures as like soft canon, right? Because yeah. that's the caliber of it. That's yeah. neat to be part of that. I think. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd love to do something for for Dune at some point. Um, and uh, you know, Acton Cthulhu is always fun as well. So I'd I'd love to branch out and do some stuff for those games as well, just to help the company as much as I can. Um, whether or not that's going to happen anytime soon, I don't know. I seem to be keeping myself pretty busy. <laughs> I, I'm impressed. You know, I, I just got to say, I'm impressed that you do all of this on top of being uh, a middle school teacher. There's a there's a theme here for the guys that we talk to, the folks that we talk to that work on STA, like Jim and Michael, and the stuff that you're involved. I think in. I know this oh, yeah, we're we're you somehow are able to slow time down to get yeah, the twenty seven hour day is sound great. Yes, yeah, <laughs> to get so much done in in such a, a, a relatively small twenty four hour period, you know, and and try to get sleep in the meantime. Um, it just it it's something well, you are making that, an assumption no about i'm sleep. I, well, about about sleep, sleep. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean there's a passion there obviously um yeah. you know if the passion didn't exist then you wouldn't do it um, i'll tell you the last year a year and a half it's become more and more challenging for me because my I've, I've got five-year-old twin boys uh and oh, so, man. so wow when, when they were like two to three years old, you know, they could take naps quite often. I could <laughs> yes. use that time to, to write and whatnot. Mm. But now they're just like always there. It's really, really hard. I, I think it? we can both assure you there, there will come a time when you stop missing nap time, but it's not going to come anytime soon. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, Brad, I cut you off. No, I was just going to say, you know, for a lot of people, they can sometimes look forward to the fact that if they're teachers that, oh, I'll get the summer off. Well, you, your kids are especially at an age or going into an age now where their time off equals your time off. Yep. If you're not in school, then more than likely they're not in school. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Um, Closing question then. Yeah. What are you doing, Al, 
whether it's Star Trek or whatever, what are you doing to indoctrinate your boys into the wide <laughs> world of RPGs? Que- good question. Yep. Um, so uh, a really interesting thing that has happened uh, as of late is my boys have become obsessed with um, the little bag clip keychains. Uh, and I showed them that there were Dungeons and Dragons ones. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they saw a beholder and they thought it was the coolest monster on the planet. Uh, so <laughs> that's the start. <laughs> well played. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I, I do have uh, a copy of no thank you evil, um, which is a uh, kid's game by Monty cook, uh, games. It's a, they say you can start with four years old, um, but uh, I think it's a little bit intense for that age group. Um, but I'm hoping that once we do get to the summertime, um, that I can start trying that with the boys. Um, so well, well, bless your heart for being a teacher and a father to twin five-year-olds. Um, and for indoctrinating them young and appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually, we, we just today we were at um, uh, one of the little um, museums here in New Hampshire and uh, they had uh, one one of the um, the gold and white uniforms from Star Trek: The Motion Picture, uh, screen worn in a case. And I was telling the boys that this is Star Trek because they know my ships and stuff. They love flying them around. And I said, "This is what they wear inside the ships," and they got all excited about that. So, um, you know, nice. indoctrinate them any way I can. <laughs> <laughs> As we wrap up, I will have to say that I think you are our first guest from the state of new hampshire so congratulations i don't think we have to update our map but so um, i actually work in new hampshire i actually live in maine i live right on the border one city away from new hampshire one one city away from new hampshire so my wife is a veterinarian here in maine and i work uh, over the border in New Hampshire. It is so beautiful i i just i just uh, a couple months ago drove across New Hampshire. It doesn't take that long, right? On the no. between from uh, Boston to Burlington, it is just, just beautiful. And that was the first time I'd been through New Hampshire beyond just that little wedge of land in yep. right on the coast, immediately south of Maine. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's yeah. So and cool. then I'm just above that little wedge. Uh, Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah wonderful. Well, you could, that's so you're well. Then then we'll put asterisk New Hampshire and we'll mark you as full for Maine. Yeah. Um, you're still the first for both. Hey, um, <laughs> as you were, why are you laughing, Jason? Um, <laughs> stupid, stupid question. I know. I like it though. I like it. It's a beautiful you know, part of the country. Oh, I love that area. Um, in fact, multiple times, my wife has said we should retire up there. Um, and Jason, so, you said you were going to Burlington? Uh, we, yeah, we were, um, we, we drove from Boston to Burlington. Uh, and yeah. back just did um did two nights in Burlington. My my um, wife is from just south of Burlington. That's where she was born and raised. So oh, could, that was yeah, that was gorgeous. That was yeah. um. I mean, I've I've been up to Maine, um, and yeah. that's just right. It's like the north, you know, the boreal forest. The North Woods are the North Woods, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it's the same no matter where you go. But yeah. but <laughs> but Burlington had you know you've got the you've got the White Mountains to the east, you've got the Adirondacks to the west, and yeah. it, it's just it's just so pretty. Yeah, it really is. What a cool place. Hey, thank you so yeah, much, much for taking the time. I know that we had some other stuff going on, so we actually had to reschedule. Yeah, thanks for rolling with us. Yeah, hey, appreciate I'm easy, you. I'm easy. I just, I'm just happy that I got a chance to finally meet you both and and 
got to talk games with you and oh, oh as this, are we yeah and we're gonna it. we'll we'll have you back because there's there's we there's so much we wanted that we could talk about and we just can't get it done and, well and word and, on the street is that al's got a major project coming out someday so that's a perfect <laughs> time seriously actually to have yeah. you back and and wax enthusiastic and nostalgic about you know whatever it is what it is what it was like creating it running it that's really fascinating stuff to us yeah, yeah absolutely yeah thank you again sir al thanks again for joining us that was a you know outstanding discussion one time. of the things one of the things that i'm i'm first of all being able to do everything he's doing with twin five-year-olds, bless you. Um, I, I don't know when he sleeps or if he sleeps, but good on you, Al. Yeah, it seems to be any of the folks that we talk to at Modifius don't seem to sleep. I, I have noticed a trend. You know, I don't know what it is between Jim and Michael and some of the other folks that we've talked with that have written yep. for it. They just, I think they, it's they, true. That's passion. Yeah. Um, and like we said before the interview, he's just exuberant about it all. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that came out of this discussion that I think would be worth uh, having like guests and talking more about in 2024 is this idea of how gaming can help those that are neurodivergent. Yeah, that is cool. You know, I think there's there's a real, you know, I'm not an educator. I'm not trained to deal with them i can just imagine folks that have that are that way whether they are younger or older um you know there's a i have i have friends that that latched on to us playing um simulation baseball games mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. i've been involved in those the better part of 30 years i actually you you may not even know this one of the oldest leagues out there that's well known was started by me before the internet even oh, wow. before we met in college. Um, but the guy who kept going on it is neurodivergent. And he mm -hmm. has found a real, he, he just, he latched onto it and he has a mind with statistics and everything like that, yeah. that just is blown. But gaming and neurodivergence, that is a very interesting topic that I think deserves time. We, and we will, we will get there. We, we have to, we've, we've talked to some people about it. I'm not sure much has made it into any of our episodes, but uh, we will make sure that's on the list. Yeah. Al, thanks again. Very cool stuff. In lieu of a regular GM corner, um, we want to talk to Jason. I'm going to let you talk about this kind of what's coming. Cause we're approaching, obviously being in December, we are quickly approaching the end of 2023 moving into 2024. Yeah. Thanks. So as, uh, as this episode releases, we are uh, well underway with Hanukkah. Christmas is not far away and Festivus shortly after that and mm -hmm. whatever else you all might celebrate. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa comes right after that. That's right. I, I mean, there are actually, uh, I don't actually know when Diwali is on the calendar. There are so many, there are so many winter festivals. If you lean Saturnalian, good on you. Right. But, mm -hmm. but the point is that this is in the Northern hemisphere, at least, uh, traditionally a holiday season. It's also a season for many of a lot of stress a lot of depressed mood, uh, maybe some anxiety and apprehension. And certainly, if you live as far north as we both do, especially me, uh, uh, not a whole lot of daylight, which I love 
but others really struggle with this. This time last year, you and I recorded a two-parter on mental health at the table, right? The Tichi RPG table. And that's what's coming in a couple weeks, everybody. We're going to devote the next couple episodes, the last of 2023, which is surreal to say, but yeah. the last of 2023 and the first of 2024, really deep in the depths of the North Hemisphere winter, uh, or the heights of the South Hemisphere summer. We're good with that mm -hmm. too. But uh, we're going to devote it to mental health. So in a couple weeks for episode 108, it's going to be Brad and me doing what we did last year this time and talking about mental health, about struggles, about resources, about how gaming can be a tool for light, for good, for well-being. Episode 109, then, is going to be an interview. We're not going to tell you. It's going to be an interview with a professional in a relevant field so that you're not just hearing from us. So that's what's on our tables right, right now. And we're really looking forward to bringing this back to you all. I think it's fair to say that you can expect we'll be talking a bit about Dr. Culber from Discovery again, oh, yeah. just because it's still the single best psychotherapy representation I've seen in the media to date. Yeah, and especially in the Trek world. So, yeah, especially in the Trek world. Yeah. All right, everybody. With that, if you live in northern climes, stay warm. If you live in southern climes, stay cool. Be well, stay well. We will see you all in a couple of weeks. 